Alright guys, so we're back, episode number 55 of the Daru Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Daru. Today we have the Iron Man, Nick Bear, on the podcast. Nick is the founder and owner of Bear Performance Nutrition. He is also a guy who is not only a performance athlete, an endurance athlete, but a very strategic and well-known businessman and YouTuber. If you check out his YouTube channel, he has over 700,000 subscribers in that range and also has developed a brand that is worldwide. So we get into deep detail and you know me, I'm doing my triathlon training. So I had to pick his brain about a few things and then talk a little bit about business and leadership and his, his background in the military. So great opportunity to talk to an individual at that nature and then again like i said we get into deep detail on all the information there and before we go do that i have to shout out the sponsors athletic cbd go to athleticcbd.com you can use my discount code daru at your checkout get a percentage off if you have any types of bumps bruises any soreness get that cbd put it on there and you'll feel better in no time also VivoBarefoot.com. Vivo Barefoot is that minimalistic shoe that you see me wear on my YouTube channels and on my Instagram. It's a minimalistic shoe to help with full fu foot functionality, but also very stylish and also gives me the opportunity to gain strength in my feet, in the lower limbs, but also maintain a level of mobility, which is very important, especially from a performance standpoint. So go to VivoBarefoot.com, use my discount code DeRueStrong, and you'll get 10% off your final purchase. All right, now let's get on to the conversation and the interview with Nick Bear. Welcome to the Daru Strong Podcast. Daru Strong Podcast. Let's go. Mind over matter. Put your mind somewhere else and keep going. That little voice in your head is trying to stop you from getting to where you want to be. Be successful and keep moving forward. With your host and world-renowned strength let's go into it though man nick i appreciate you coming on first of all uh i know you're a busy man can you just go ahead and explain to you know some of the listeners that may not know who you are um i have a lot of combat sport you know listeners so just give them a little breakdown of uh what you're doing now who you are and how you came about with the uh with the businesses that you have and everything else that you're doing on youtube yeah no i appreciate you having me on uh, my name is Nick Bear. I I started my company, Bear Performance Nutrition, in 2012. I started a year before joining the military. Um, so I started in college. As soon as I graduated college in 2013 with a degree in nutrition, joined the military, went active duty Army as an infantry officer, uh, served four years, which brought me to Fort Hood, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I transitioned out of the military in 2017, focused on scaling my business with my brother. Uh, and then during that time, transitioned more from strictly bodybuilding and strength training to endurance training, where I got into marathons and Ironmans and triathlons. Uh, most recently, I set the goal of running a sub three hour marathon. Mm -hmm. And that was a massive goal. It took me over a year to accomplish that. Ended up running at 256.27. So I'm super proud of that accomplishment there. And uh, I'm currently in triathlon training for challenge Cancun on May 2nd. Mm. So that's kind of my story, background, military, business owner, um, and now full-time entrepreneur. All right. So I got a couple of questions though. All right. Cause I, I mean, if people have been following me now, I've always been a power, like power strength sport athlete. Um, 
I fought for eight years, so that's more of a mixed modality sport. But this is my first time doing endurance training. And uh, we did a YouTube video yesterday, kind of went through my whole day. And, you know, my guy asked me, like, what was my, what was like my, like my major factor of why I wanted to do this? And one was obviously pushing myself to the next level and doing something new and getting uncomfortable um, in certain ways. But watching the stuff that you are doing now at the weight that you're doing, because a lot of guys like, you know, you look at triathletes, they're not like you. They're not big. They don't have a lot of muscle. You know, they're probably long and lean. What made you decide to actually do, you know, Ironmans and marathons and all these ultra endurance sports? Yeah, it's funny because the day I got out of the military, this is 2017, May of 2017, I made a YouTube video. And in that video, I said, I will never run a day in my life again. And that was May. And by February, that next February, I was training for the Austin Marathon. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things that when I was in the Army, I had to run. I was forced to run. So I didn't really enjoy it because someone was saying, hey, you're going to wake up today and you're going to go run. I was being forced to. Yeah. And then when I transitioned out of the military, I felt like I was, I was missing something. Mm -hmm. uh, I was missing like this suck factor of doing something that was difficult and hard. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what that was for the longest time. And then when I started training for this marathon, my first marathon, I was like, this is it. This is what I was, I was missing. Yeah. It was like this itch that I scratched. And my first marathon, I ran like a, a three, it was either a 357 or a 359. And it was just a straight up struggle bus. Like it sucked. And then after that was done, I ran another marathon and I ran worse. I ran a 415. And then I heard about this thing called Ironman mm -hmm. and I thought if there's something I want to do, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. You know, I, I built this business. I went through ranger school in the military. I was like, if, if there's something that I want to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I signed up for the Ironman, not even knowing what an Ironman was. Signed up for it. And I was like, oh, it's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and full marathon. Yeah. And I started training for that. And that, that journey had me kind of hooked on endurance training. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person that if I want to talk about something and preach something, I want to be out there learning it myself and teaching and talking through experience, not necessarily theory. Yeah. And I learned so much through this entire process of adding endurance to my life and my training that it's been so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something for me, like, it's something different, you know what I mean? Like, and putting myself in those uncomfortable situations for that long time. Like I've done powerlifting, I've done strongman, and I've actually fought. And I was looking for something that was going to almost fill that void because I can't fight anymore. Don't want to get punched in the face uh, for a living, and I don't have to, so that's a good thing. But, um, but yeah, man, it's something about it where you can just kind of test yourself physically and mentally. And so I, I, I do feel you on that. But I do have one question. Yeah. Busting my ass last or yesterday. How long did it actually take you to learn how to ride that bike? Man, that's like, I'll tell you, I, I remember falling my first time mm -hmm. because you don't like when you grew up riding bikes. Yeah. You're right. I was like, I grew up riding like BMX bikes, mountain bikes. And then when you transition to like actually cycling, you realize my, my feet are locked in. Yeah. So like you go to a stop sign, you're trying to unclip. You're, you're falling your ass. You're falling over. Um, so I mean, I still fall, but I know when it's coming now because I go to freak out to pull my foot off the pedal 
and yeah. I realized it ain't coming and I yeah. just yeah <laughs> bro I gotta show you this real quick just so can you see that yep all right I think I'm the fucking man right now right I'm like yeah I got this thing right so I go to stop I unclip the one side and like I'm good right I'm good and I forgot you know I had didn't do it boom <laughs> like, and then it was just after that it was kind of like all right well I got one out the way right so it happens, it yeah. happens man yeah man it's but at about 20 minutes I got it I started to like really understand it but honestly it's it's the it's the steering too as well kind of gets me you know but yeah like, I but, mean are, are you riding strictly outside right now or you can do some rides on the trainer indoor I'm gonna get a trainer that's why I wanted to ask you like what was the best trainer that you had that you thought would be benefit would benefit me at the moment I, I use the wahoo kicker and I connect the Wahoo kicker to Zwift. Have you heard of Zwift? Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching your YouTube, man, I actually watch yours and Taryn's YouTube a lot now. Just trying yeah. to get, get an understanding of it, you know? Yeah, so I connect my Wahoo trainer to Zwift. Indoor riding, I think, like, to me, it has its time and place. Mm -hmm. Because you can get a whole lot out of a workout mm -hmm. on a trainer. Outdoor, you can put that training to practice and you know, it's more enjoyable. Yeah. Like some of the, like the key workouts we do are big gear workouts mm -hmm. where I'll be on Zwift. I'll take off erg mode, which is essentially a mode that controls your power. Mm -hmm. And I'll just try to push, I'll put in the biggest gear possible. And I'll push as much power for like, say two minute intervals or three minute intervals or up to seven minute intervals. Yeah. And my legs got so strong on the bike yeah. from big gear work. So mm -hmm. like, a, a trainer has a time and place, but it definitely can't substitute like being outdoor, riding, learning how to handle the bike, steering, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like for me, especially with the time frames, and you understand it too, having a business, it's like, all right, I need to get in there probably early morning, you know, it's dark out or late night. So again, it's, and I'm not the, the most skilled bike cyclists right now so i know that i'll probably swerve into the traffic if i do so. so are you doing a full full ironman no not yet i'm gonna do an olympic triathlon and then i'll go into a full ironman just because i had acl surgery um in september so yeah. still semi recovering from that and uh just building up my aerobic capacity and going from there the great thing about what i'm doing now is that like my fighters love it like they're like super pumped about it because they like to run, they like to swim, they like to bike. You know, some of them want to do triathlons and a lot of these guys are in the UFC. So like, they're like, oh man, I'm going to train with you. I'm like, listen, he's up. Like, you know, I know you want to beat me, but not right now, right? So we're all competitive, but I think it's, it's good in many ways, right? You have the ability to, to learn something new. You have something that's going to push you. And then also for me as a coach, it'll allow me to understand how to train in that that realm, right? And and for you, how many how many hours a week are you putting in of training? At my peak, like so two weeks ago was like my peak, and we are sitting at roughly like between 18 and 21 hours of yeah. training a week. Um, and that beat me down pretty well. Yeah. So I I did I don't recommend it this way, but I started training October 1st and I started training for the marathon and the Ironman simultaneously. So 
we kind of, as we get closer to the marathon, we pulled back Ironman training and went into a really heavy marathon build still simultaneously swimming and cycling. And then that marathon took a lot out of me Mm. where I jumped back into training. I think a little bit too fast where I didn't fully recover. So when I jumped back into the Ironman build, my body is pretty beat down from it. Um, but like 18 to 21 hours with some of those being like some long rides and big runs, I mean, my, my body is feeling it. And yeah. then as soon as you start tapering, it's like, holy shit, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think is harder? I know your running is probably the best out of all three, but what do you think is hardest or the hardest to get used to? Was it the cycling or was it the swimming? Oh, swimming. Yeah. I, I haven't enjoyed, I'll be honest, I haven't enjoyed one swim I've done yet. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like swimming. I, I love, I love running. I'm in love with the running, mm-hmm. uh, for the physical and mental like benefits of running. Yeah. I get like this really strong solitude when I'm running like mm-hmm. slow, easy runs. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been super beneficial for my business in terms of just thinking creatively and being able to digest and dissect problems and find solutions. Yeah. Like it's been so powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cycling, I enjoy because I get some, like, some strength out of it mm-hmm. um, with big gear work. And then swimming, I just suck it up and I just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're a pretty big dude, so I, I'm pretty sure it's hard to stay afloat. <laughs> oh, man, my, my coach is constantly like, get your hips on top of the water. Get your hips on top of the water. I'm like, I'm trying. They're sinking. Yeah. <laughs> They're falling down. Yeah, man. But, you I, know, it's, in, it's interesting coming from, you know – both of us coming from a strength background where my coach made this comment, uh, Natasha, she made this comment a few weeks ago and it really stuck with me. She said, like triathlon and Ironman, it's a strength sport. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it as like, you get deeper into these uh, big cycling workouts is, you know, some of these workouts would go and just like cycle and ride. Yeah. But some it's like, you're pushing big power, you're pushing big Watts. Mm-hmm. It's all leg strength. Like this morning for me, it was a big leg strength workout mm-hmm. where my legs were just absolutely smoked afterwards. Mm-hmm. So there's so much strength that comes along with Ironman. Yeah. And my first Ironman prep, I didn't realize that. So my first Ironman prep um, and this Ironman prep was is so night and day where almost all my stuff in the first one was just aerobic, easier workouts. Mm-hmm. And now the second one is a lot of anaerobic threshold tempo big gear work sweet spot work um and my legs have gotten so much stronger from it now is that closer to competition or is that further out that you're working more of that anaerobic threshold type type training uh typically further out and like the closer we'll get we'll start pulling back but i mean like right now i'm i'm three weeks out Mm -hmm. and today was a really big like this morning was uh, a three and a half hour ride and it was a really big like strength workout mm-hmm. so we won't start tapering really until like 10 to 12 weeks out, or 10 to 10 to 12 days out from challenge cancun yeah yeah i was that's another thing i was going to ask you like as far as like programming perspective i know you have your coach but like what is the, like uh from a strength training perspective what's that looking like too as well because i know you're doing you're still doing strength training you're still in the weight room so how is that going when it comes down to it, also getting ready for Ironman, but also a marathon. Yeah. So right now I'm only hitting leg strength once a week. I hit that on Wednesdays. 
Um, and Wednesdays are really big days for me because like Wednesday mornings for the last six months have been my anaerobic running workout. So we'll either do a tempo run or we'll do a track workout. And that's typically like between 10 and 12 miles of work. Oh. And that's at like 6 a.m. And then in the afternoon, that's when I'll do my only leg strength training of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll do like barbell squats, um, barbell lunges, RDL, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. From an upper body perspective, I do a lot of body weight stuff right now. Cause I tried to, I was trying to lose some mass up top for that, that marathon. Yeah. So I'm um, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of push-ups, but now that the marathon's done and I'm going back in just this Ironman prep, uh, I started adding back in like compound movements, accessory stuff, mainly on the weekends or like my easy days, which are Tuesday and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. But I am like, I'm super excited for like when this triathlon's done, I'm itching to get back in the weight room. Yeah. Itching for it. I'm sure, man. Yeah. So like we can go over, like I, I wanted to, after we're done, I want to talk to you a little bit more, but it seems like you've made a, a, a more of a professional transition, like from when you started, like looking at some of the earlier YouTube videos of when you started doing Ironman training to now, it looks like this is almost a lifestyle change in a sense where in the beginning, it looked like, okay, I want to do this as a challenge. Now you've really taken that to the next level, hiring a coach there full time. You have a running coach, I believe, right? Am I, yep. am I doing it right? so when did you start to feel like okay this is something that i want to you know take to the next level yeah i mean iron like i call it iron man prep season one it was like my first one did and i documented it pretty much by myself like i filmed all the videos edited all the videos and i learned like it's not like when i was in the gym filming myself yeah i'll put a tripod down but when i'm running it's like the only way to get clips is I'm asking my wife, Hey, can you like hold this real quick or a GoPro? <laughs> so with this second, you know, I wanted to do another Ironman and I said, I want to do like, I want to document this one really, really well. Mm-hmm. I want to create something that's not on YouTube. That's evergreen content that can teach people all about like uh, triathlon. Mm-hmm. And with the first one, it was me just getting like dipping my toes in the water, trying to figure out all these things. Yeah. because you know you gotta think triathlon training it's three different sports and coming from like strength training into triathlon it's so much to learn yeah and i i, I learned as much as i could I, I took in as much as i could in that first one but i've learned so much more in my second triathlon prep mm-hmm. than my first so going into you know, this past year, I set some lofty goals of that sub three hour marathon. And then, you know, I wanted to do a sub 10 hour Ironman. Ironman ended up getting canceled. So now I'm doing this challenge Cancun. Yeah. But um, this past year, I just wanted to, I wanted to take everything up a level, up a notch mm-hmm. in terms of like my training, my knowledge of the sport and for one, I wanted to do better. I wanted to improve better, but I wanted to use as an opportunity to teach people, you know, and yeah. I'm not the expert. I wasn't the expert in that field. So yeah. I thought, Hey, let's bring in experts to be a part of the series to educate people on this big platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, you, you've worked with triathlon Taryn and now you have your coach now that's with you 
right? And how much how much would you say has been you've benefited from that having a coach right there, you know, basically leading you through the way? Oh, so much. I mean, she's she's here in Austin. She like comes and does does workouts with me. She connected me with my running coach, Jeff Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Um, she like helped with fueling for like all my nutritional fueling, which mm-hmm. was like a big learning curve for me in the beginning. Um, correcting my form on the swim, correcting my form on on the bike, getting a bike fit, like it made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And so, like now, you it seems like you have a lot there in Austin. You know, Austin sounds like a great damn place to go right now. Gosh, it's it's. I'll tell you, man. Like I moved here in 2014, and the things like the changes I've seen since then, mm. and like it's crazy. Businesses are coming in, people are coming in. It's growing like like wildfire yeah. um, and the opportunity and the, and the people are great. I mean, it's an amazing city. It's an amazing place. Nice. Where are you from originally? Uh, Central Pennsylvania. Okay. Yes. So I'm from like the Hershey, Pennsylvania area. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you play, I know you played sports uh, as a teenager. What, what sports did you play again? I played ice hockey, mm-hmm. played baseball, uh, ran cross country for a year, okay. but my brother, my younger brother was a stud athlete. So yeah. I, he, he was three years behind me. And so when I was, uh, I guess, a junior or senior, he was like a freshman. And he was a stud of like our small town. So as soon as he st- started playing, I was like, I'm going to bow out. It's all you now, little bro. Well, at least you had the humility to do so. <laughs> yeah. Try to take over and you know what I mean? But that's cool. So I, I know you train a lot, right? So what, I mean, for the most part, there's going to be accumulation of, of some type of injury, right? What would you say was like your worst injury that you've had or have attained doing this, these types of training? I've actually been very fortunate. I think I have a very durable body yeah. where I mean, I've had you know, some sprained ankles during this prep. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some IT band issues during the last like two years that I've kind of just like rolled out and worked through. Mm-hmm. Um if anything, I would say it's it's kind of just not accumulation of injury, but accumulation of just being overtaxed and overworked. Yeah. You know, you know, like coming from like a business owner standpoint, you have your training, which then stacks on top of your business, which causes stress in its own, and you have relationships and you know, there's so much going on in life that you're not you're always working. If yeah. you're not working, you're thinking about work. Um, so I would say more so an accumulation of stress mm-hmm. and just being overwhelmed uh, has been the biggest part of it, but not necessarily injured. I've been very fortunate in that sense. Yeah, that's awesome. How old are you now? I just turned 30 last August, about to turn 31 here this summer. It's coming. It's coming. You're young. You're young now. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what man. The day I turned 30, I've, I felt great my entire life. The day I turned 30, I had a headache for a week. and Ever since then, I don't know if it's mental or physical, I haven't felt the same. <laughs> so much better than 30. Man, listen, I feel you. We, my, my boy sitting right here, every time you hit the 30 mark, it's something changes, right? You don't have kids yet, right? Not yet. No kids yet, right? Wait, that's another step. And you're just going to be like, damn, I just aged five more years. But it's coming. But you're doing a great job. Just saying, you're doing a great job. I'm trying to knock out all these things before that time comes. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. So 
Let's talk a little bit about, about BPN. You know, how'd that come about? Why did you decide to just start doing a nutrition company and, and working through supplements and doing what you're doing with that? Yeah, so it was, it was 2012. Uh, I was going to school studying nutrition mm-hmm. and I was, on, I was in the Army ROTC program. So I got an Army ROTC scholarship. They were paying for my school. Yep. They were giving me a small paycheck every month. And I had a commitment that I had to join the military after college, after I graduated. And I fell in love with like bodybuilding and strength training and the supplement industry. And the supplement industry in 2012 was so different than it is today, like night and day. And at the time, all these products in the market had proprietary blends. So to me, like that was my competitive advantage in 2012. Uh And I remember being in my, my college apartment, my freshman year of college, before starting my company mm-hmm. and I would buy these ingredients in bulk online I'd mix it up for my friends and then I'd put it in white baggies and I'd sell it out of my dorm. So it looked like, like freshman year of college, it looks like I'm selling drugs. I had this, <laughs> I had this food scale. We're mixing up like creatine, beta alanine, caffeine, citrulline malate. And then someone come to my door knock, I hand them a baggie. They give me like five bucks and then they go on their way. <laughs> so then 2012, um, I had to go to this mandatory 30 day military evaluation mm-hmm. and it was in Fort Lewis, Washington. I go to this evaluation and I come back with like this newfound confidence. Mm-hmm. Cause I like, I got evaluated very well there. Um, I was like, man, the army found me exceptional. I, I gotta be able to do something with my life. Yeah. So literally like the day I got back from that, I started BPN. I, uh, you know, I submitted all the paperwork to the, the state of Pennsylvania at the time, found a manufacturer, took out a $20,000 loan, mm-hmm. and then placed my you know, production order. Didn't have any more money to do anything else. I built the website myself, had a friend design the, the logo and the labels for free. And I told my dad, I was like, I'm gonna make a million dollars this year. Yeah. Like, I'll never forget this. I'm gonna make a million dollars this year. And he said, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. So I'm gonna prove you wrong. So launched the company, utter failure. For like three years, we were generating $20,000 in revenue a year with zero profits, like at a loss. Yeah. And I thought at that point, I was like, I'm doomed. Like, I can't sell. Um, I'm in and out of training with the military. You know, a year later after starting the company, I get sent to Fort Benning, Georgia, where I do ranger school, airborne school, infantry officer basic course. Uh, so I'm in and out of the field all the time. And then in 2014, I ended up getting stationed here at Fort Hood, Texas. Mm -hmm. And when I got here at the time, my unit was in Germany. So I had like three, three months of some free time. Oh wow! So I was like, you know, I'm going to start a social media platform. Mm -hmm. I did it backwards. Most people start, you know, social media first. Like, how do I monetize it? I started this company, realized I couldn't sell shit. Yeah. Realized, okay, let's try to use social media. Yeah. So I bought a camera, started just documenting my life on YouTube, sharing like training information and uh, nutrition and just like daily vlogs. Just started, you know, documenting my life. Mm-hmm. Ended up growing my social media platforms a little bit over the course, like the next two years. And then we got orders to go to South Korea for a nine month rotation. And 
during those nine months in South Korea, that's where I actually scaled the business. Like our first, our first like growth spurt. Because when I got there, we were making like $2,000 a month in revenue, mm-hmm. still at a loss. Um, my accountant at the time was trying to convince me to close the business because it wasn't making any money. And uh, I told myself, by the, my, by the time I leave South Korea, mm-hmm. we're going to go from making $2,000 a month to $10,000 a month. So I just buckled down. Like all my free time, I didn't watch any TV, no movies, didn't hang out with friends. I just spent all my free time learning how to build a business. Yeah. And within 90 days of being there, we went from $2,000 a month in revenue to $10,000 a month. Nice. And that's where things started like, to, to slowly snowball a little bit. And then when I transitioned back to the States, I started transitioning out of the military. Mm-hmm. My brother moved down from Pennsylvania to Texas. Um, and this was 2017. And we just went all in on just learning how to scale the brand yeah and you know from 2017 to now it's been lots of ups and downs uh lots of struggles but we built the team we built the brand we did another rebrand um and now we're just scaling and growing super fast yeah man so that's a great story like there's a lot of young entrepreneurs out there a lot of young young coaches that want to start up their own business that listen to the podcast. But what I wanted to ask you was what advice would you give to these young entrepreneurs that are looking to start their business that really don't know how to start it up? What do you think? I think there's like two things. Like one, they have to realize that all your resources at your fingertips. Yeah. You know, like when I was in South Korea, I had like, no money to my name because I was pumping every dollar I made in the military back into the business to keep it afloat. Mm-hmm. But I learned storytelling through watching Casey Neistat vlogs on YouTube. So I learned storytelling by watching YouTube videos and storytelling has been a huge part of our brand since. Um, I rebuilt our website just by learning how to code uh, while in South Korea um, all these free resources, I just like, I just studied other brands. I studied other businesses, not necessarily even in the supplement industry, but all these other brands and businesses. Yep. And I just took what I could from them and learn from them and then test it, see how it did. And then implement, I constantly just like learn, test, implement, yep. learn, test, implement. Yep. So that's like, the one thing that people need to realize is it doesn't matter where like you come from, where you start, how much money you have, like you have all the resources you need at your fingertips to, to get started. Getting started is the hardest part. Cool. And then from there, it's realizing that like you have to go all in. Yeah. Like if when I launched BPN in 2012, you know, for three years, maybe four years, it, it was essentially failing. Mm-hmm. And there was never a moment where I was like, oh man, it doesn't make this much money by this date, I'm going to stop. Like I, I was running off like so much pure passion behind the business. Mm-hmm. And that passion was just fueling me to keep going. Like I didn't take my first paycheck from BPN until 2017. So, you know, I built, I built a brand for five years before taking any money. Yeah. So I think a lot of people want to start businesses because they want freedom. They want, 
uh, to make all this money. Yeah. But like before you get to that point, like there's a lot that needs to go into it. I think a lot of people are in it for this short gain the short gain when like it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. I was, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, it is. So you've been able to grow your YouTube channel very successfully, but there was a time again, like you said, that nobody was even watching it, right? Like you were like, oh man, you know, you maybe got some hate here and there, took it down, whatever. How, what do you think was like the defining factor or like what took you to the next level? Cause now you're at what, like 600, six, 700,000, right? It's almost like 650. Yeah. yeah. So like what, what do you think took it to the next level where everybody wanted to watch you? Because it is a vlog of people wanting to see what you're doing. You know, I mean, you're an interesting guy, but how did you make that move? Yeah, I mean, I remember in the beginning, I was just like throwing darts at a dartboard, hoping one would stick. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what I was doing. I would just film everything and put it together. And then I learned storytelling by watching Casey's videos mm -hmm. when I was in South Korea. And I started applying that to my videos where like I would go out and I'd have I'd have an intent and structure, like a story I'd want to tell through a video, but make it interesting and engaging. Yeah. And I mean, I remember hitting my first 10,000 subscribers. Uh, I remember that feeling. I remember I hit 10,000 subscribers. I was on a bachelor party in Nashville, Tennessee. And someone stopped me at a bar and said, yo, are you that guy from YouTube? Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I remember that moment. And then when I learned storytelling and how to like position my, my personal brand and my business through video, everything was intentional. Like every video I produced, every shot I, I shot, like every series I did after like that first two years, there was pure intention behind everything. Mm -hmm. And there was one video that took off and it was when I was in South Korea and I filmed like my day in a life as an infantry platoon leader. And I interviewed my platoon sergeant. I, I showed my soldiers. I showed PT. I showed where I was eating. I showed my barracks room. Mm -hmm. And that video took off. Like that video, I say viral, but it only, it, it hit like a million views. Mm -hmm. But it grew my YouTube channel from 30,000 subscribers to 80,000 subscribers in 30 days from one video. So that was kind of like, you know, that was like two years into creating and I thought, wow, I just call it like this break. Yeah. And that's when a lot of people discovered me. And at the time, no one was really like documenting a life in the military. Mm -hmm. I, I like to think that I like pioneered like vlogging as like someone in the military, yeah. but there was never like any intention behind that. Like even when I started using social media, I never shared that I was in the military I only started sharing when I was in the military when I got to South Korea because it was inevitable. Like I was on a military post in military uniform all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's really only when I started sharing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think what really like has helped me grow my platform mm -hmm. is storytelling for one intention behind everything we do. Um, and then being able to pivot. So like what I see a lot of people do is, they get stuck in one way of filming, one way of training, one way of business. 
and they don't know how to pivot to keep things interesting, engaging. Uh, I see so many creators like no one watches my stuff anymore. YouTube algorithm has screwed me. Well, it's like, yeah. no, you, you, you haven't learned how to pivot yeah. when people aren't watching anymore. Like, why are they not watching? Why are you not growing yeah. there? There's gotta be a reason. Yeah. I think that that's a major factor just in life in general. You know, you know a lot of people thinking that they go one way and then they have to stick to that way and that way might not be for them. And so they don't know how to pivot. They don't know how to redirect. I've had to do that plenty of times to where now, you know, I put myself in a position and put my people in a position to succeed. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a major factor, man, like 100%. So what what is the major thing right now that you're working on? I know you're doing, you're getting ready for the triathlon. And now how, how long is this triathlon, triathlon again? again? So Olympic, so Olympic tri- tri- triathlon, triathlon, right? Uh, it'll end up being a 70.3, so like a half, half Ironman. Yeah. So it's going to be a 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike, uh, 13.1-mile run. Nice. So we, had, we had to adjust training a little bit because we were training for the full. Yeah. All these full Ironmans got canceled. Um, so, like, volume has decreased a little bit, but intensity has increased because now I'll race at a higher threshold. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually like the sprint, the sprint triathlon. That's obviously going to be higher intensities and things of that nature. So what do you think, what do you think is like the major thing when somebody like myself, who's just starting out, especially coming from the background that we've came from, what's the, what's the major thing that I have to look out for or anybody in in our position when you start out in triathlete or in triathlons, we should, we, we should be uh, looking at. My biggest mistake trend, like transitioning into endurance sports was, you know, when, when I was training for like strength and size at higher intensities, it was like, all right, I have to go as hard as possible for this set. Um, and endurance, like learn that doesn't transfer to endurance where like, it took me a long time to realize with endurance that you have to go slower to go faster. So like building this aerobic base and this aerobic foundation of training at lower heart rate, easier heart rate, in training in an aerobic zone. And then once you build that aerobic zone, then you can start adding in like tempo threshold stuff. Yeah. But for the longest time, I would like, if someone said, all right, you have a seven mile easy run for the day, mm-hmm. I'd go run that seven miles as hard as possible. And I learned the hard way. I was like, I'm not getting faster. What am I doing wrong? Someone said, you're running too hard. You're running too fast. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah. I, if I want to run faster, I got to run faster. But it's like, no, you have to pull back running slower builds that aerobic base aerobic foundation and then you can build off of that yeah for sure any testing that you're doing now to kind of identify where your limiters are at any point like i know you're probably doing like a threshold test maybe ftp test is is there anything that you're doing on like the bike or the run that your coach has you doing to understand where you're at yeah so we'll we'll use like heart rate and everything Mm -hmm. heart rate is always monitored for runs and cycling. Um, so like we'll have some like really strong objective, like data and some subjective, like objectively we'll do like the ramp test to find FTP. And then we can program a lot of our workouts off of FTP. It's essentially like using one rep max in, in strength training where you have your one rep max and you have percentages based off your one rep max. Um, cycling is the same way where like you have your FTP and then you have percentages based off FTP that you'll you'll ride at. But we'll also look at like um, what is the perceived effort of this ride 
what is like, uh, you know, RPE um, yeah. or we'll use like, what is your heart rate? What is your actual effort that your body is exerting for this ride or this run? Mm-hmm. Um, so like we'll use a lot, a lot of those testing data mm-hmm. to see how we're progressing. Um, one of the things that like, really has helped me, and I think has helped a lot of people is using the Maffetone method for running. Yeah. So, you know, you have max heart rate and you have max aerobic heart rate. Max aerobic heart rate is like the max your heart rate should go to stay in aerobic zone. Mm-hmm. So you'll take like one, 180 minus your age. So I'm 30. So it's 180 minus 30 is 150. So like my max heart rate based off math, math method should be 150. So if I want to stay in an aerobic zone, I shouldn't run over 150. And there's typically like a 10, 10 beats per minute, like variance off that. So I try to keep my runs like around 140 to 150 yeah. to stay aerobic, even sometimes in the high 130 sometimes. Yeah. Now, how hard is that for you? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's an easy run. No, no. What I mean is how hard is it mentally to be like, oh, I got to slow down? Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, it was super hard. And yeah. now like now my body knows what that feels like. Yeah. But I remember trying to run at an 820 pace when I first started doing this. I was like, I'm, I'm walking. Like, I'm not getting anything out of this. But yeah. now, now 820 feels, like, comfortable. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to realize that. I had to learn it the hard way. Yeah, even my guys at the highest level, like, my elite UFC guys, where I'm like, all right, you need to go at, we'll do the Mavitone method for most of them for, like, easy, easy runs for restorative work. And they're like, man, it's so easy. And I'm like, don't worry. Like, it's supposed to be an easier run but you're getting the benefit from a physiological standpoint you know but i get it man because I, I do the same thing now where i'm building it up and i'm like i had to actually stop you know i, I drink a lot of coffee and i have a i'm very upbeat and i have a lot going on <laughs> there's a lot of stress being built up systemically so uh but no nah, man it's it, it it's, it's a process man and that's that's one thing that people got to understand and i know you know that that's in anything you know when it, whether it be competing or building a business what I do want to ask you also was, um, what are like some of the main things? I'm kind of going to pivot off of this, but what are the main things you're looking for? Because you've developed a team, right? You've developed a business, a brand. What are some things that you're looking for in a person when you're trying to bring them onto your team? What, what are the, some of the attributes that you want to look for when you're actually hiring somebody to be a part of BPN? Yeah, I mean, we, we take like culture and team like super important here. Yeah. <clears throat> and... I mean, when I was in, when I was a platoon leader in the army, I had like a really solid platoon. I had a really good platoon sergeant and squad leaders and soldiers. And, and the camaraderie was like solid. I loved it. I loved that position in the military. So when I transitioned out, I essentially said, I want to create that same thing in the, the civilian sector in my business. So like things that I took away from being in the military was everyone's wants to win. Everyone's, uh, fighting for the same mission. There's purpose behind what you do. And there's leadership that's in place that is leading and motivating people, not just based off of monetary incentives. Mm-hmm. Like that was the biggest thing I took away from the military is you had to learn leadership to lead and inspire and influence people to make decisions or follow you when whether they work 20 hours a week or hundred hours a week, they're not getting paid anymore. 
And I thought that was super powerful to take away from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to like building BPN's team, I obviously like look for people who are skilled, who, who have the ability to accomplish what they're being hired for. But I want someone like, I don't want someone that's going to be an individual. I'm looking for someone who wants to be a part of a team, like in a winning team, they want to win. They believe in what we're doing. They believe in our mission. They want to be a part of it. They want to show up every single day. It's more than just a job. It's like there is purpose behind everything they do. Mm -hmm. And when everyone's bought into that and everyone believes in it, it is almost cult-like. Like you're, you're on this like border of being, you know, cult-like, but I think it starts up top. It starts with the leadership up top and it trickles down. And if you can get people who are truly bought in and believe in what you're doing, it's powerful. Yeah, no, 100%, man. I agree. So I'm not going to keep you too long. I also want to ask you a couple questions after this, and I know you're, you're busy. So I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. But make sure, do me a favor, and shout out all the stuff that you got going on, your Instagram, your social media stuff, your YouTube channel, and also BPN itself. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. Uh, so Instagram is at Nick Bear Fitness. It's B-A-R-E. Uh, if you go on YouTube right now and you just search Nick Bear, you'll see uh, a bunch of thumbnails of me either running, cycling, and probably shirtless. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the supplement company is Bear Performance Nutrition, and that's BPN Supps uh, website or Instagram. Cool. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on. We'll talk in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. Thanks again for watching, guys. See you again next time.